Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you. As always, so glad that you have tuned in to another time that you and I can spend as we explore the life and teaching, looking just at the ministry of Jesus Christ and taking a closer look what it was like when Jesus was here on earth and what did he what did he teach and how did he express himself and how did he impact the people around him, not just before he went to the cross and was buried and rose again, but leading up to that, what did he teach? And so today I'm excited because in podcast 47, this podcast, we're going to be tackling Matthew chapter 13. Now, this is all about the parables uh, that Jesus taught, talking about specifically the kingdom of heaven. So there's a lot here. This is this is covered in Matthew 13, 1 through 53, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 34, and Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 18. But on this podcast today, I'm just going to cover Matthew 13. Uh, on my notes, you can use Mark and Luke as cross-referencing uh, to kind of get a little bit more background into these parables. Now, if you remember, uh, Jesus is in Galilee, right? These are Galileans that he's teaching. He's going to be teaching in parables. Now, parable is basically, it's a riddle. It's a story that carries a certain kind of meaning through analogy. So think of a parable in the Jewish culture as a wise saying or as a teaching. Now, if you take the word parable, it's two Greek words, para and balo. And if you combine those two words together, it just literally means to throw alongside. So what Jesus is going to do by using parables, as he oftentimes did, is he throws together truths and with, with also, by the way, unknown truths that are put in this parable, and he does it to bring out a spiritual lesson. Now, these Galileans that Jesus is speaking to are royal farmers, and they could relate to these parables because they lived by the sea. They were uh, people who understood the agriculture of the time, okay? And, and so this is important because Jesus, who was this very intelligent rabbi, right? But he brought the practicality. He brought the love. He brought the grace. Remember, he's obviously the truth in the flesh, grace and truth in the flesh, according to John chapter 1. So he doesn't come to these people and think he's better than them, like the Pharisees and Sadducees. He comes to them to speak the truth, to reveal the truth, which he is the truth. And what he wants to do by teaching them about the kingdom of heaven is he wants to share with them in parables. So let me read to you Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23, and then we'll break it down. Matthew records these words. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. And the great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and he sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and they devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and they choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil, and they produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to Jesus, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, 
To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and the ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and they did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and he yields that fruit. In one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. All right, so let's take a look at this parable in verses 1 through 23 of Matthew 13. We're told here in verse 3 that a sower went out to sow. Now, here in Jesus' first parable, he uses a sower to appeal to the agricultural customs of his day to explain the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you jump back to verse 10, the, the, the question that the disciples had before Jesus was, why do you speak to these people in parables? Now, remember, we're told in Psalm 78 verses 2 through 3 that Jesus did so to fulfill prophecy. So that's key there. Number two is Jesus wanted to teach his followers along with these people about the kingdom of heaven, and he often did that by using parables. But what's also interesting is Jesus responds in verse 11 by saying, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Now remember, as Jesus traveled around teaching different groups of people, the disciples got to see that day in and day out for three and a half years. They got to hear these different parables and have time like they're doing right now in private to ask Jesus for clarification. There will be people who will understand the mysteries that Jesus explains about the kingdom of heaven by using parables, but there will also be people who will reject him and his message. So we got to keep in mind that as Jesus taught and as he revealed himself and he proved to be the son of God, people believed and people at the same time rejected. Now, verse 13 says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they did not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Remember, that's, that's a reference in Isaiah 6, 9 through 11. So not only is he fulfilling prophecy in Psalm 78, 2 and 3, but also Isaiah 6, 9 through 11, that was prophesied that people that we're living will fail to understand the Messiah's message. Now, we know that to be the case of this very day, that there are still people who dismiss the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
we see in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 10, that there's a stumbling block. We see in Ephesians 3, 3 through 6 and 8 through 9, that their, their hearts are darkened, that people will be full to believe a lie rather than follow and believe the truth. Now, verse 17, Jesus says, many prophets and righteous people, they longed to see these things. So the great thing is, even these audience of farmers, you know, the people that are listening to Jesus, prophets of old, people like King David and people like Daniel, Joseph, Moses, longed to hear uh, the Messiah. And yet the disciples in this audience of farmers get to see Jesus face to face, the Messiah in the flesh, and hear these parables. So now we look at verse 18, where when Jesus says, hear then the parable of the sower. So Jesus is going to explain the different conditions of the human heart. That's what the soil is all about. Okay, now obviously the main character in this parable is the sower, who is God. So let's break these things down one by one. So the first thing we see here is the seed. So Jesus says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, now we know the seed is the word of God. And we know that the word of God is living and it is active, Hebrews 4.12. So when a seed is planted, when it gives root, it grows. And what Jesus is saying is that when the word of God is implanted in someone's life and it gives root in that person's heart, that person will grow and bear fruit. Jesus said in Matthew 7.16 that you will know them by their fruit. Wearsby in his commentary writes that fruit is the test of true salvation. This would include holiness, Christian character, good works, winning others to Christ, sharing what we all have, and praising God in Hebrews 13 verse 15. Now, he says, Wearsby says, if a plant is to bear fruit, it must be rooted in soil and exposed to sunshine. So there are certain things that we need to grow, and one of them clearly is the word of God. So now let's understand the different types of soil. The first thing that Jesus mentions here in verse 19 is the roadside soil. This kind of soil represents the person that gives no response. There's no reception when they hear the word of God. And we're told by Jesus here in verse 19, it's because they don't understand it. So the evil one comes and snatches away that which has been sown in this person's heart. Now this word understand in the Greek means to comprehend, to bring together so they don't have that. They have a hard heart. They will not accept the message of salvation because they don't understand it. They don't want to believe in it. Now, there are those, as you and I know, that have resisted the gospel and continue to resist the gospel. Perhaps you're one of them. Perhaps you have uh, fallen upon this podcast and you're listening because you are on a journey but and you don't understand. And maybe you're kind of seeking and you have a lot of questions. I thank God that you're listening but I know the majority of our audience are believers. They're people who have received God's word and are growing and bearing fruit. So people that Jesus is mentioning here in verse 19, they're too stubborn to turn to God. Now notice Satan, he doesn't want these people to understand. He wants them to continue to be prideful. He wants them to continue to be stubborn. He doesn't want them to understand anything. He doesn't want to, them to comprehend the gospel and make sense of the message of salvation at all. So what does he do? He snatches this literally means to seize or to grab by force. Now, what's interesting in Judaism, oftentimes they use a bird to refer or to represent Satan. John the Apostle wrote in 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So put that in perspective, my friends. As you and I do the work of God, 
as you and I share the gospel to whoever is out there, it's not our job to win them. We didn't save them in the first place, but as saved saved individuals, it is our duty and responsibility to go out there to make disciples of all nations. We don't know what kind of soil oftentimes we're dealing with. And we know that there's an enemy out there who's there to try to snatch away. So we have to do a better job to teach people to understand what we're trying to say, not to get into arguments, but to find common ground so we can lead to higher ground. And notice in verse 20 now, the rocky soil. This one represents the emotional response. It's a slight reception, if you will. Jesus said, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Now, rocky soil, it represents or refers to the top level. It's a very shallow surface that's made of limestone. Now, some respond to the gospel with enthusiasm, right? You know those people. I know those people. Perhaps maybe at some time in your walk, you were one of them. But then when trials come, when hardships come, they're too weak. They're too shallow to withstand the trials. And so they give up. Spurgeon says the problem with emotional responders isn't their sudden growth, but their lack of depth. Verse 21, we're told, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This term falls away that Jesus used means to stumble. So the trials in this person's life, it doesn't refine them, but instead it actually offends them. So it's a gradual falling away, but a collapse will come when pressure comes. That's the key thing here. So when all things are great, They don't seem to be having any hardship and they're just praising God, worshiping God, but then something bad happens. They lose their job. They lose a loved one. Something tragic happens. They fall away. Luke 8, 13 puts it this way. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing, fall away. So think of all the people in your life that this rocky soil basically speaks about. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce in their parable of Jesus commentary says this, many people fit that description. We see them in our thriving evangelical churches. Their shallow hearts are attracted to the joy and excitement of a church where much is happening. They hear the gospel and they seem to fit in. Many even make a profession of faith, but then some difficulty comes, a loss of a job, misunderstanding with other Christians, sickness, even a bad romance. And just as suddenly as they once seem to embrace the faith, they fall away because they were really never born again, end quote. I think that's well said. Now let's jump to thorny soil. Now this one represents the worldly response. It's a hesitative reception. Jesus says in verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Now, as this person learns to grow in their faith, What happens is they start allowing unspiritual things, things that are not of God, to keep growing in their life as well. That's this phrase, the cares of the world. This pertains to worry and anxiety and concern. So they're so fixated on earthly things that they become no good heavenly, if you will. So this person, they hear the word, they believe it, but they neglect to do the work. So they're a hearer, they're not a doer. Now, the church is filled, my friends, with believers who are not doers. Their faith is weak and shallow. They'll listen to a sermon. They'll go to church. They'll even listen, perhaps, maybe to this podcast. But they won't 
make disciples. They themselves have probably never been discipled themselves. So they enjoy the message. They, they want to live moral lives, but they lack maturity and they lack depth to grow the kingdom of heaven. And finally, we turn to verse 23. This is the fertile soil. This is the fruitful response. This is the full reception. So thus far, we've seen no reception to a slight reception to a hesitative reception. But now we're looking at a full reception. And this, my friends, is where we pray for every person that we know and don't even know. We pray that they would come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus writes these words in verse 23, As for what was sown on good soil... This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and he yields. In one case, a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. This person receives the word and actively obeys to do the work of God and to advance the kingdom of heaven. And that, my friends, is what we're praying for all people to do, that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But now we turn to the wheat and the weeds. This is the second parable, and this is in Matthew 13, 24 through 30, and also verse 37 through 43. So let me read you these words of Jesus. In Matthew 13, verse 24, he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not grow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, least in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then we jump down to verse 36 through 43, and here we'll see that the parable of the weeds is explained. Verse 36 reads, Then he left the crowds and he went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Jesus answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace." In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay, so when you see here in verse 24, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. So we're taking the same parable as before. Good seed is the word, and he's in a field, and he's going to go out there and sow good seed. Now we're told in verse 37, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Verse 38, we're told that this the field represents the world. And we're told in verse 38 that the sons of the kingdom are the good seed and the evil one, the sons of the evil one, are the weeds. So those are the two comparisons. So we know that in the world, as we're listening to this podcast right now, that we have a real enemy who goes around like a roaring lion, we, he, that he is trying to blind the God, the, the God of this age, we're told, blinds the people in the world. He wants to strip them from comprehension and understanding. 
We know that we have groups of believers in the world and non-believers. We know that God uses people to do his will, and Satan is out there trying to plant tares to block people from doing his will. Now, this word for weeds is a Greek word, zyanian, and it's only used here. Now, this is probably referring to a darnel. Now, a darnel was a weedy ryegrass that resembled wheat until it became mature. Meanwhile, what it would do is it would bear poisonous black seeds and it would become intertwined with the wheat. So it would make it very difficult to be uprooted without damaging the wheat in the process. So not only is it a harm in and of itself of what it possesses as this ryegrass with its poisonous black seeds, but the way in which it grows is that it plants itself, it intertwines itself and feeds off of the actual wheat and destroys it in the process. Now, you can't take it out as it's growing alongside the wheat. Otherwise, you would damage the wheat. Now, what's interesting is that a neighbor, back in those days, a neighboring enemy would often plant darnels and his enemies filled. And they did this intentionally to destroy their neighbor's crop. Now, what Jesus is saying here by using this term weeds here of a darnel, I believe, is that Satan uses the same type of tactics to disrupt, to destroy what God is planting. We know that Satan uses all types of things to do this. He'll use gossip. He'll use division. He'll use lies and deception. He'll use false prophets, false teachers, heretical opposition. We're told in verse 39, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Verse 19, we're told, remember, that Satan snatches away the word of God when, when he doesn't want someone to understand it. So Jesus is saying that Satan, he will plant tares, my friends, in the, in the midst of the wheat, in the midst of true believers. So I want to tell you that no matter where you're at, no matter what church you're involved in, no matter what kind of friendships you have, even if you think your life is like in a bubble, that you have all Christian friends, I guarantee that there is a tear in your life, if not several and sometimes we're not even aware of it because it's all trickery. It's a way to influence, we're told in 1 Timothy 1.20. Satan's goal, my friends, is to destroy you. He is here to destroy the wheat. He wants to destroy the wheat before we enter the harvest. Now notice verse 27. When the servants asked the master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Then why does it have weeds? See, the point is, is that when you and I look at a church, when we look at a ministry, when we look at a relationship, when we look at a marriage, a family, there's deception oftentimes, and people were not even aware of it. Satan is working his way into the church, into families, into marriages. He wants to plant false doctrine. He wants to plant those temptations. He wants to plant the heresies. He wants to start working with that leader and turn them to become corrupt. He wants to break the unity, we're told that the farm immediately responded and said in verse 28, the enemy has done this. See, Jesus knows the work of Satan, my friends. And, and it is paramount that we know it as well, that we are aware of the evil devices and the schemes of Satan. We're told that in 2 Corinthians 2.11. We're told that in 2 Corinthians 11.14. We're told that in Ephesians 6.11. We're told that in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. We have to be aware that the enemy has done this. Now, that's not the blame game where we blame Satan for everything, but it does explain oftentimes of how things happen 
when we're not even aware of it. So of course, the servants ask their master, hey, let's uproot these things. And the master says in verse 29, no, least in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. So the true test, my friends, of a tear versus a wheat is at the harvest. Now, what is Jesus referring to when it comes to the harvest? Well, in verses 40 through 43, he's referring to the day of judgment. So the master is saying, no, we want them both to grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, what's going what's to happen is the reapers are going to come. And Jesus says that they're going to gather the weeds first and they're going to bind them in the bundles to be burned. But the wheat obviously is going to go into the barn. So the final judgment depicted here that Jesus is talking about is the false wheat, which is the weeds, are going to be bundled up and burned. That's representing hell. The harvest is the end of the age, we're told in verse 39. The reapers are angels, we're told. And the weeds represent the sinners who will be judged and they will be cast into eternal damnation. I mean, just let that sink in for a moment. I know as you're listening, you know of several people whose hearts are hardened to the message of God's word. And as you and I talk about this, my friends, we have to consider the message And it needs to be loud and clear because I think a lot of us have just become complacent. We just neglect to realize that there will come a day of judgment. And as difficult it is sometimes to figure out a tear from a wheat and knowing that, you know what, a lot of this, we're just going to realize on the day of judgment. There are, I'm sure, a lot of people in ministry or people who profess to be a Christian that I think are a Christian and come to find out they're not. They won't be on that day. But you and I have to pray. We have to pray for discernment. We have to pray for wisdom. We have to be alert. So hopefully, my friends, as you and I looked at these passages, that we are making sure that we are growing in our faith, that we're bearing fruit, but we have to be perceptive and we have to be willing to be relentless against the attacks of the enemy because he's out there planting tares. And we we need to make sure that we are of the business of planting God's word and the lives of people. So next week, we're going to jump into part two as we look at the the mustard seed. We'll look at the leaven. We'll look at the hidden treasure, the pearl of great value. And then we'll also look at this last parable known as the net in verses 47 through 50 and get a better understanding of the kingdom of heaven. So until next time, my friends, God bless you. I love you. And I'll see you on the next podcast. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.